With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Bridget McGowan here, and this is another episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have with me Shrimanju Katragata. Shrimanju, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bridget, for having me on your show. Lovely to connect with you. I feel the exact same way. We were talking before the show about this thing called confidence in a speaker. And you shared with me that, yes, you've kind of always been a confident speaker. No, you kind of haven't always been a confident speaker. Okay, you've got to set the record straight for the listeners. What's the story behind you and confidence on the microphone? Definitely, yeah. So I have this thing, like I'm very much extrovert person. That is what I was told all my life uh, when I was until my 20s, that I can speak to any stranger. I have no fear or anything, but boom, like, you know, when someone said, get onto the stage and be an MC there, I had a high temperature and I was in bed for like a week and I quit. I couldn't do it. And I still remember like, oh my God, what happened to me? I thought I was very good at it, but I had this um, kind of a connection with the mic like you know no I can't do it then I realized like actually I'm extrovert when I know my audience when I know my friends I can be just open change the atmosphere ambience there be myself but it is unknown thing that was the thing and that that was a good thing because it happened it's nothing related to my subject it was nothing related to my career so it was just a fun activity uh, for a community activity that I was called in for but Later on, when I started my spiritual work and a lot of opportunities were coming in on my way because I was manifesting for it uh, to get me on the radio show, to get me on the television show and onto the platforms. And then I realized, oh, my God, what if that happens again to me? Like, you know, I manifested I'm getting this. Then I started doing the meditation, breathing in, understanding. No, this is my audience. This is my talk. This is my subject i'm in control of it and i can do it and mike is my friend like you know and one of my child uh, both my children at the time they were too young and they said mama think about your mic as your pen don't even think about like it's an instrument right in front of you just uh, share your voice and your voice is so good they said Jesus, they love me unconditionally is what I thought. I wish everyone does the same way, but I trusted them more than me. And I went ahead. I started speaking in front of 10 people, 30 people, and then hundreds of them. Like, you know, and now Mike, I'm always with it. It doesn't bother me at all. So this is where, yeah, no, this is how it started. Like, you know, and now I know. Even now, like if my audience that I know of, it's my subject, I have no fear. If it's not my subject, like, no, I... 
call me to talk about the shares no thank you that's not me get someone else who is right for you <laughs> like you know that's the best way like yeah owning your power is the most important thing so what do you do if you're in front of an audience that you're not familiar with them you don't these are all strange faces staring back at you what, what does your confidence do then that happens whenever you are right in front of them they don't know you they're the new people and for them like who is she what is she going to talk how much does she have the experience so i started listening to my inner guide telling crack a joke or like you know uh shift be like a, a silly joke or something because people love that icebreaker thing like you know don't start with the subject straight away because they are still in high fuse they won't adapt to it when i just realized that oh my god that is really true i like something to lighten up and then i would start with them hey where are you guys from like how far did you travel from or something that was happening in that auditorium or somewhere else like you know some day experience and that makes me like they would loosen up i can feel the energy in the room <sighs> now they can listen to me now my message is going get to them like you know, at least majority of them and that is my intention that is a stage setting that i do and also i visualized uh, a couple of days before that the audience are in a pleasant place like you know and i'm only attracting the right audience that's a little trick there yeah i like that i'm only attracting the right audience mm -hmm. i like that if ooh so this just struck me if you show up seeing the audience as a bunch of friends just or as people that are going to become your friends by the end of your presentation. That kind of shifts the energy and it shifts a little bit of the nervousness. Absolutely. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just that that's amazing thing because you, and also the part of my talks are always include a story, always tell about my authentic side. It's not the mask up life, but it's the real side of you you need to share. And that is where we need to connect, like, you know, and that makes them to become your friends at the end, because everyone has that procrastination within them or like, you know, um, imperfectionist or a fear, they resonate with it. Like, you know, and this is not something that I was born to do with. I learned the tools. I learned all these. So I do understand what the behind stage work meant for them as well. So if you're, if you're in that audience and you want to be where I am right now, Hey, I'm going to bring you along because there is the path I have laid out, tried and tested. And you know, you can walk safely as well. Fear, talk to any of the speakers, they had the fear at one stage, like, you know, so that is so, so true, like, but make the fear as your friend. A lot of people now, they come and tell me, like, fear is what's stopping me, like, I don't know what's going to happen. But I say, like, you know, at least what's going to happen so far, not doing it. But if you do it, you imagine how amazing it is going to be for you because your voice has been heard even for one person don't think about thousands of people just think about one person and that is it like you know and that one person will multiply and you don't even need to know how many are there in the room because you're being fascinated by your own truth that you're sharing in there yeah Ooh, now you said that your presentations always include a story to that one person and it's going to end up multiplying. I want you to one, tell us what is your core message? What do you speak on most of the time? And 
tell us one of those stories. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so one of my key messages, uh, no matter what topics I choose, like generally they are holistic related, healing related tools, techniques, meditations, Reiki, all the energy work. I love talking about it and the kids, mindfulness, meditations. But within them, I always incorporate uh, one thing, which is connect your inner guide, which as my book says, like, you know, it's about like we all have a purpose. We all have a life purpose here. We are here in this time and we need to identify what is your purpose? What is your passion and bring that out? Like, you know, and at the end, like no matter what the topics are, always tell them to connect with that either by journaling, meditating, and speaking your truth, you will be knowing more about it and you'll be so, so delighted and happy. Sometimes the purpose could be just like you're a chef or you're cooking or you're a nurse. That's okay as well. Like, you know, but own it, own it that you love about it and you're able to speak. So you can call in a nurse and say them to speak about something that they're passionate about it and they won't have a trouble about it. Like the fear doesn't even come nearby when you think about you're an expert in your area. And for me, the story was like one of the things that is uh, when I was called into my community work, I couldn't do it. That at that time, I was still processing. I was still healing on myself, like, you know, because all my life I was told extrovert, but uh, also I had grown with a lot of insecurities. My decisions were not minded or I wasn't valued enough, like, you know, as a girl child, it could be where I was growing up. It could be as like, you know, uh, it didn't matter as a youngest person in the family. So there is a lot of things that uh, my voice was never heard within to make a decision or to be part of anything so when that happened a lot of things as you grow up as an adult it does impact like no matter what decision you'll try to make in your life you always hesitate is this good is this right like do I trust myself do I don't trust myself you know the, the gut says something and the brain says something like you always have an inner conflict and what if I'm wrong again but with all these limiting beliefs I was reminded where is it coming from is this mine or is this my family's? Is this my society's? I still say like one of my dance teachers said, like I'm not good at singing and dancing. And that still stops me like, you know, but because I don't have a professional careers in there, it doesn't matter. I give her love and light to her. But I remember I thinking about it, that's a culture most of us are grown with. Like, you know, they didn't know any better than that. Like, but now it is me owning that. If I really want to take as a profession or a hobby, it's my choice. Nobody has a control on it other than me. Most of our limiting beliefs, we are stopping ourselves, not anyone else. And that's the worst truth as well. And this is where I would love the audience or anyone listening to it, think about it what is that you're always passionate and when we think about it it always goes back to even when we were younger we always were passionate about something i always wanted to be a doctor um i didn't know any other way 
there was no terms as a healer or a spiritual person at all. Even though growing up in India, yoga would have been common, meditation would have been common, but you wouldn't see in the normal society, those people, they will be in the monasteries or uh, far away from the city lives, like, you know, and all I knew was either you become a doctor or an engineer, that's your professional career. Whereas I was a corporate employee until a couple of years, like, you know, I have been in that profession, but also I felt that's not my thing. That's not me. I'm just doing because my society told me to do. And now taking my power back to who authentically I am as a healer, that makes me bring back. Yeah, I wanted to be a doctor, even though I'm not qualified doctor, I'm able to heal people. And that is amazing. I can shift their energy. That is amazing. That is what I needed. It's just always you know what it is. You need to recalibrate into your own mind, into your own heart. That will never lie to us. Yeah. Hmm. Wow, wow, wow. That's all I can say is wow. Everybody, as you've heard, uh, Sri Manju is an intuitive healer, but she's also an author, an Akashic Records reader who specializes in interpreting the soul's journey and why we are even here on the earth. She can show you how to improve various aspects of your life through the reading and help you in connecting to your own inner guide. She helps people all over the world awaken their intuition through meditations, group courses, and private training. Now, how do you ensure that as you deliver these trainings, as you deliver these presentations, Sri mind you, that you, I don't know, keep the content interesting for yourself because the presentation has to be exciting and interesting and fresh for, for the audience as much as it is for you. I mean, that, that goes into, I think, part of the confidence is, is feeling good. And I know some, you, you present on those same topics time and time again. How do you ensure that you deliver that same energy, that same passion, that same impact every single time you deliver that same content? Yeah, um, it happens because it's a, some topics you're invited more or there is a more ask for it. That really gets interesting because I really don't like to watch the same things again and again. I'm such a YouTuber or uh, different platforms. I do listen to a lot of things. For the speakers, I love to be more engaging, get new information. So that is what I take back as well in the voice that I'm going to share always is like, have the stories, have the examples laid out and not to have repetitions like, you know, and engage into who my audiences are. So if it is a corporate well-being, my examples will be on a different way because I have a corporate experience. So I'll be sharing more from my own, my colleagues experience. But if it is like um, in a different realm, like, you know, uh, people from various fields coming in, but they know they're coming to the holistic side of it. So they are every of like what chakras are what meditations are for them my client experiences or examples is what i'll be sharing and that makes it more authentic more relatable is what i always try to keep it up you know that fresh juices are to be always given to the people and uh, 
different metaphors like you know i get so many metaphor ideas sometimes like oh my god really like you know but that would make sense as well and that is where that engaging conversations is what i always love about and when i look into the audience energy like yeah nodding or yes i relate or hands up this is what i love about like yeah so i try to keep it away because that's not something i enjoy repeating rerunning the same things like you know the fresh energy and researching researching and learning more as well like i consider myself to be a teacher but also i'm a student of universe like you know there is so much like today i was saying to someone like we are only a sand or even minute than that in the ocean like you know there is so much of information like not enough time <laughs> Right, right. Mm. Well, as you're talking about giving stories that relate to that particular audience and using client experiences that's just going to resonate with them, it also makes me think about how you'll have different kinds of people that are going to show up in your audience uh, aside from their profession or, uh, I don't know, backgrounds, but you'll have, I call them four different audience types, if you will. I'm just going to talk about maybe one or two of them, but the four that I often see in audiences are those who are looking for connection from the presenter, those who are looking for honesty, those who are looking for results, and those who are looking for energy. And so as a speaker, you have to come with all of that. You've got to make sure that your content and that you are creating those connections for the people in the audience who are looking for that that you are offering up that honesty for the people in the audience who are looking for that, that you are offering up results or the possibility of results or an explanation of how results can be achieved for those mm -hmm. who are looking for that. And then finally, that you are offering up energy because there are some people where they're perfectly fine with sitting there listening to somebody who is totally boring, but their content is fabulous. But I'm not that person. I cannot sit and listen to someone who is boring. I don't care how fabulous your content is. But you're going to have those people where they need energy. They need great content plus energy. So think about all four of those people. But with connection seekers in your audience, that's the one I'm going to talk about for just a second. These are the ones where they need to feel like they are not just another audience member to you, where it feels like you are speaking directly to them, directly to their pain, directly to their challenges, and directly to finding answers for them. They need to feel like you have been in their shoes. They need to feel like you almost know their name. They need to feel like the two of you are friends almost by the end of that presentation, right? And how you do that in a presentation, how you make sure that you create those connections is definitely using the word you. Mm -hmm. Use the word you as many times as you can in your presentation. Don't use we. I know that sounds warm and fuzzy and it sounds like this collective uh, feeling has this collective, collective feeling to it and connective feeling to it. But the fact is, it's not we who are going to do something or we who are going to learn something. You always want to say, you will know this and you will learn this and you are going to be able to do so many things and so on and so forth. And that word you, when someone hears it, 
It is so powerful. The only other word that is more powerful in creating a connection between someone is that person's actual name, is you saying that person's actual name. So of course, in an audience of 200, 500, 1,000 people, you can't necessarily call someone's name or you could, but then it's not as effective because the other 499 people are sitting there thinking, well, when you gonna call my name, right? So if you have a more intimate gathering, 10, 15, maybe 20 people, try your very best to learn some people's names so you can use their names in particular when you address them during your presentation. Or if you just say, or if you just say, hey, you know, Bob and I were talking during the break and so on and so forth. So maybe you're not addressing that person, but you're commenting on something that he, you and you and he shared with each other. But that word, you, is so incredibly powerful when it comes to creating connections. And the only other word that will create a connection even better is going to be the use of that person's name. And here's a little trick. To remember people's names, this is the best way to do it, Srimanju. I have people who are so impressed with me during presentations because I use people's names during my presentations and I remember them. And they're like, and I've had people come up to me all the time. I remember this one man, he was sitting there the whole presentation. He looked like he was so uh, disgusted with the presentation. I'm thinking if you, if you hate the presentation or hate me or hate the content that much, leave. But he came up to me afterwards and he asked, what is your trick for remembering people's names? And so here, and it's not even a trick, here it is use the person's name. Oftentimes we'll say, hi, my name is Bridget. Hi, my name is Srimanju. And that's it. No. Hi, my name is Bridget. Uh, hi, my name is Srimanju. Then I would respond with Srimanju. It's great to meet you. Use the person's name and that is how you remember it. So you have the connection seekers in the audience. Use the word you, or if it's a more intimate gathering, use as many names as you can. So there's my little tip. I love that. Yes, that is so, so that personal touch is so important to make with your audience. And if I was audience, if someone makes that, I'll feel like so like jumping like a little child being in the candy land. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it, it yes. means a lot, especially my name. If someone can say it right, I'm super excited. <laughs> well, I was super excited, too. Yeah. <laughs> That I was able to get both the first and the last name right. Now, in a second, you are going to get a chance to ask me a question. So I cannot wait to turn the table and get into the interviewee seat in a little bit. Uh, you know, there was something else I was going to say about the use of you or a person's name. It also makes your presentation seem less like it was just taken off the shelf. Mm -hmm. I, I, and I know it may be hard to believe that small little use of a person's name can do that, but it can. Because let's be honest, sometimes, especially trainers or people in HR, uh, you tend to present the same presentation over and over again. But just using people's names, it takes some of that canned presentation feel to a presentation and not that people notice that or think that that's the case but it can help you as a presenter feel like it's less of you off of a script and that you're making it a little bit more of a personal experience mm -hmm. and also you buy buying okay. a person 
<laughs> Here's my next question for you. In terms of uh, speaking of uh, personal experiences, those tend to be quite memorable for us. And there are those presentations that we saw years ago and they stick with us. I know there was one I saw in Denver at a conference back in, whoa, maybe 2011 or so. And that presentation has stuck with me. And it was because of just the, the presenter gave real information, actually did all those four things, the connection and the honesty and the results and the energy. He brought it. He, he just, he owned the microphone or as you probably would put it, he, be, he befriended the microphone, right? The microphone is your friend. So I want you to think about one of your presentations that was incredibly memorable, uh, either for you or if you thought it was super memorable for your audiences, what was that presentation and what made it so fantastic? Um, this was my early days where I was still gathering my own uh, feet in front of the audience, like, you know, um, especially the first one where I had over 100 people, which was the first time. When I brought them into a meditation, the whole room, it was a huge room, was silent. That was the best memory, how a meditation and the silence can just uh, bring in that beautiful energy in the room and the vibe. And the trick was that I learned out of it is not to do at the end, but do at the start of it, even just the breathing, allowing them to breathe. And so you are, as you said, that you think you're buying them into your voice. You know, everyone is switching off and connecting with your energy. That was amazing. That is something uh, I did it at the first time. I did it in the near to the end. But then I said, I love it. I need to do a shorter one just for a minute at the very start. And shift of the energies are amazing. Then I went on to a couple of other places where I was seeing like Tony Robbins or like you know someone does the music and the dance like I said now I know the trick like it really works you know we are on the high vibe forgetting our daily things like whatever chatterbox is or whatever the pains are we forget and we are there and that's one thing that I love and I always try to do small bigger zoom as well now like you know bring them in together be in that space that they have registered for 90 minutes 10 minutes whatever it is let them be there yeah I absolutely adore the fact that you talked about silence mm -hmm. silence can be it <sighs> it can be a most powerful confidence booster. Additionally, silence gives your listeners time to let your, the presenter's ideas sink in. Because you have to remember, mm -hmm. your listener is hearing your ideas for the first time and needs that time to truly hear mm -hmm. and appreciate your ideas. And oftentimes we think as speakers, We've got to keep going, keep talking, keep it moving. You know, no silence. Don't let any silence sit, uh, slip into the presentation. And in radio land, that is an issue, right? You, you don't want dead air is what they call it. But silence is okay. Sometimes speakers will ask questions 
They'll ask questions of an audience member or the entire audience, and they're nervous about getting silence. However, do not let that worry you. You have to allow for some silence, especially when you ask a question, because there's a number of processes you have to go through when they get ready to answer a question. It's like, okay, did I hear it correctly? Okay, I think I did. Now let me try to find the answer to it. Oh, okay, I think I have an answer. Do I want to verbalize that answer? Because if I put it out to the world and it makes me sound stupid, <laughs> so don't worry about that silence. You have to allow for some when you ask a question because it gives people time to think, to process the question, arrive at an answer, and then actually verbalize it. So when you demonstrate that you're comfortable with momentary instances of silence, it also, check this out, shows that you are confident. That that silence, like seriously, it, it, mm, it's like you are owning the air. You're owning the room. You are standing in that silence and you're cool with it. Mm. It's amazing, isn't it? And then after the silence, the eye contact is so like, it's like touching their soul. It's just like no words need to be spoken. You need not be afraid of it. Like you just, it's like you have owned the platform there. That's it. Like, isn't it amazing? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, what's going to be equally amazing is this question you're about to ask me. Lay it on me, Tramanji. Yeah, so Bridget, I was so interested in knowing how did you figure it out, uh, your passion into this, like, you know, into presentations and talking to people, like, were you always like that as a child? Or did you have any hiccups? Or was it as your profession you started? (laughs) during these conversations and the first thing wrote down from this conversation Srimanju was speak to any stranger that was something you said very early on oh that has significance because you Bridget you always liked that as a child as a child I would speak to any stranger wow and I, I am adopted. And the point behind me saying that is my parents did not really get me. I was so very different from them. And there's something about that nature nurture thing. There's, there's truly some validity to it because I was, I was strange to them in good ways. They didn't get me. Uh, I enjoyed reading books. I liked wor- watching Murder, She Wrote on Sundays at seven and I was in bed by yeah. eight. <laughs> you know? I, was, I was so lame, right? So back to the point of speak to any stranger. The idea of conversation and engaging with people has always been something that's just very comfortable to me. It's, it's no big deal because I don't know that I always thought this way, but my attitude now is what can a person do to me if I just talk to them, right? I mean, that's the most social thing that I can do. The most uh, friendly thing that I can do, safe thing that I can do is just be friendly to a person. And if nothing else, give that person a smile. Now back to the adoptive parents. They were definitely afraid that I was going to end up abducted. They just knew somebody was going to care. I'm telling you, they just knew I was going to carry someone off because, uh, or someone was going to carry me off because again, they were not, like me and I was not like them and that just made sense because 
I'm not biologically their child. So the idea of just talking to strangers, that was bizarre to them. That was totally foreign to them. And nothing good could come of it, talking to strangers. And especially this little eight, nine, 10 year old person. And so my attitude also was there's a difference between walking and talking. I am just talking to the person. I'm not walking to their strange, creepy van that supposedly has a puppy and candy in it, right? I mean, I have sense. Okay. <laughs> I'm not dumb. So, <laughs> so the talking piece, and as you can imagine, I got talks too much on all of my report cards, all of the teacher comments were always filled with uh, Bridget talks too much in class. So the talking has just always been easy for me. And I tend to like conversations of substance, you know, light substance, right? Uh, You know, we're not talking about um, um, molecular biology or anything like that in conversations, (laughs) but, you know, conversations that are on a positive note, Mm conversations that are uplifting, conversations that lead to sparking ideas and uh, new possibilities. Those are the kinds of conversations I like. I don't like the down and out and woe is me and this is broken and that hurts and, uh, you know, I'll engage, but I'm sitting there, you know, counting down to when this conversation is going to end. But that has, uh, that's, that's the starting point for me where Mm -hmm. speaking has not always, has never really been an issue. And so in terms of the professional speaking, it was a matter of doing the research, watching and seeing what I believe are the things that the best speakers do, what uh, speakers who are powerful to me, who impact me, who do a great job of getting a message across, listening and watching every single thing they do, every move they make, and then making sure that I am perfecting what I do along the way. And after every presentation, thinking to myself, what worked well, Mm. what didn't, uh, and what could I change? I like to do a start, stop, continue analysis. What, uh, what should I start doing that I didn't do in that presentation? Mm. Or maybe I did something new in that presentation. So I need to start, you know, start doing that in other presentations. What do I need to stop doing based on that performance? And then what's something that I'm doing that seems to work well that I should continue doing? And I'm going to encourage listeners to conduct that kind of analysis. Stop, start, continue. Look at the last presentation and just do a mental run through after the presentation is done either that day, the next day, that weekend, think about what should I start doing that I've not done before? What should I stop? And what's working well that I should continue doing? So to answer your question, yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, you know, uh, the talking piece has just been a part of me. Part of who you are, yeah. it's, it's, It's who I am, but being very aware Mm. And very cognizant of wanting to be effective Mm. every time I communicate is something that you, you have to work on. You, you just, Mm. you just have to have to continue to work on. Does that answer your question? That's beautiful. That's lovely. Like, you know, a couple of things that I just want to ask you one more question is, you know, I really love that start, stop and analysis, like which I do it. Do you do 
after the feedbacks come in or before the feedbacks come in? Because there is a difference there, isn't it? <laughs> that is a great question. And I do it before I review the feedback. So first mm. off, and this is going to sound awful. First off, I may take days, weeks, months, or longer before yeah. I look at that audience feedback, mm. especially if I think I've done a fantastic job and I can have 99 glowing reviews, but you know, yes, you know, Shumanju, and even the listeners, you know how this goes. It's that one review in a hundred that does not rank you at the top of your game and it just kicks you in the gut. And, 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 and they may have thought you were fantastic, but maybe they just made one teeny tiny comment, offered up one suggestion of an area for improvement and it just sits with you. And so for me, for that reason, I do my personal stop, start, continue analysis before looking at that feedback and say to myself, what am I going to do the next time? And then I look at the feedback and then I'll get additional points or validation Mm. for what I I think I should do going forward. (laughs) That's a good question. That's really good because at the start, I used to do straight after um, the talk from the feedback. Like then I realized, no, it's too hard to consume it. I mean, not that I had two bad feedbacks, but it's just the way sometimes they write their opinion may not match your opinion uh, of what you delivered it. And then I said, no, let me do it afterwards. Let me see, am I happy about it? Because I need to stay with this one, but this work is mine. I need to own it. And then that made me perspective, like feedback is what I'm asking. So I should still be in control of it, not take over by someone that I hardly know them as well maybe if I didn't impact them that's fine they need to find some other teacher some other source that's okay it's like it meant to be knowing that I'm not them for them or they're not for me as well so it's a different perspective yeah it is it is and I think Mm. you're too close to the performance Mm. in order to be in a position to receive the feedback in an objective manner because most presenters are going to, well, maybe not most, but you, you would like to think that you walk away from the presentation having done a great job. You would like to think that. But back to my original point, reviewing that feedback too soon after your performance is not a good idea. Because again, you're just too close to the performance to even have a mindset that's open to not only accepting or receiving mm-hmm. the feedback, but also truly using anything that may be constructive among the feedback. So that for that reason, I really encourage you to wait and not just you, Shrimanju. Yeah. <laughs> right. As <Not> all. <laughs> right. Not you, Shrimanju, but you, everybody who's listening. Right. I encourage you to wait, uh, you know, two, three days, maybe even a week. And you're in a better place to, and, and, and not get so upset either mm-hmm. about the, about the performance. Because I, I think about this too, if you've given an incredible performance, you are likely physically and mentally exhausted. Yes. And so imagine cooking this incredible meal. 
I mean, on your feet all day, sweating and going on. And you lay this spread out and you get some note cards and hand them out to your guests and tell them to write down what they think of the meal. And then as soon as the meal is over, you read those note cards. You will go ballistic if someone said anything negative about any part of that meal. Because you are already beat, you're exhausted, you rolled out the red carpet, you brought out the best silver and china and crystal, and you're going to complain because the dinner rolls were cold, right? So if you look at that feedback another day after you've rested, after you've removed yourself, given yourself some distance from that that meal, you're better position to receive that feedback and not get so upset (laughs) i like that example absolutely so right yeah (laughs) uh you need some self-care afterwards definitely (laughs) yes yes i know how i feel after a presentation especially the live in-person ones Mm. i put my put my full body mind soul everything into that presentation and then i just collapse in the uber or collapse on the plane because i'm spent because i've given you everything i have and if i look at some feedback shortly after that after i've given you everything that i think that i have and right and you have an issue with something i might get off that plane and go find that person and ask what was this so definitely and from the energy point, um, I think you can relate to is like in your aura field, in your energy shield, everyone is there. Thousands of people, hundreds of people, whoever it is, they're all in your field. So you'll feel like you're such an open closet. You need to zap that energy back in to protect it. And then you'll feel grounded. Immediately afterwards, what I do is um, I tap my feet on the ground, like as jumping. It's like, stand back like you know like a little kid that bringing that whole energy and glad I have young children like uh, so they say mom I'm hungry tap it in like back into the normal life like you know no matter what happened the wonderful event okay thank you I can process it but back into the reality and that is what helps us to be grounded and let it sink in that self-care self-time is so important it is. It absolutely is. What else does the audience need to know? Um, I, for me, the most important thing that I wanted to convey to the audience here is like, even if I see myself in that audience or like uh, listening to is trust in yourself because no one else is going to trust you on your voice if you are not going to trust yourself remember that beautiful dream that big vision that you have if you are not going to speak up with the clarity even if you tell your best friend they won't buy into it because your voice tells that energy of your passion tells like is it worth it or not so before that you need to build the trust that you can do it why you want to do it believe in yourself when you start believing in yourself the whole world will conspire to make it happen the universe will make it happen the manifestations of what you want will happen only when you believe truly for it to happen yeah and listen to your inner gut intuition don't take it lightly if there is a knowingness if there is something that's probing you to do a big project go for it at least you will be happy you tried it and by the way at the end like 99% it will be successful because that's your intuition it's not someone else's ideas it's your idea 
this is your mission, your life, and you got an opportunity, take it in. When the opportunity has come, as I say, it knocks on your door, open the door. Don't be afraid, like, you know, because this is something that you ask. A lot of people that I have noticed is, maybe you would notice as well, relate to it, is we ask for it and we don't receive it very well. We don't know what to do with it, right? It's like we get overwhelmed with it. Like I would be asking like a bunch of roses and someone gives me roses. Oh my God, did I deserve them? Like, come on, you asked for it. You absolutely deserve it. You are a beautiful soul. Remembering that part is so, so important here. Mm -hmm. I would say even to have a decal or like a sticky notes. I'm such a believer in the sticky notes around the home like saying who am i yeah there you go you have them for the audience who can't see like you know <laughs> So it's like reminding us like how beautiful inside out we are and what we are meant to be because it's not that every speaker, actually I used to think every speaker is born confident, can do everything, they just knew their purpose and everything, it was just easy, but as I got to know them closely and have some friends who were before me there showing the path for me, I realized no, we were all in the same place, we all had to up our game, learn few traits. But at the end, the core of the voice is the most important thing. We need to have that little toolkit around us. Yeah. So that is it. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is comprehensive. I'm going to give everybody my cheat sheet here. So this is what I took down in my notes. These are my big takeaways from Srimanju today. Say to yourself, this is my audience. I am in control. The mic is my friend. Also, when you do your presentations, think about one person, not thousands of people. Identify your purpose. Identify your passion. And finally, build the trust that you can do it. Srimanju Katragata, you are a rock star. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bridget. Just, that's just wonderful. Like, I love what you summed up. That's absolutely right. Like, you know, um, each one of us are beautiful. Like everyone listening to this is a beautiful soul. Remembering that is the most important thing. Absolutely. That's the most important thing. It's yeah. making sure that you put yourself first, you elevate yourself first, you put confidence in yourself. So then you're able to put your audience first. You're mm -hmm. able to elevate the audience. You're able to put the audience where it needs to be and make them have a good time, have a, a great experience, a positive experience. All right. Listen, thank you so much for being on the, sh being on the show, Srimanju. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And it's so wonderful to share some of these things and have a conversation. Like, it's so good. Like, yeah. Yes, thank you, yes, Bridgette. <laughs> yes, a million times. And thank you to the listeners for tuning into this episode. This is Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone or as Srimanju would say, befriend the microphone. I'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>